0: You're listening to the Welcome to the Rebellion podcast. Hey, Jay, are you ready? Because it's time to start the show.
1: I'm ready. I'm ready. Welcome, everybody that's here. If you want to watch this live, head over to the Drunk 3PO YouTube channel. And today, and today, uh, I accidentally hit the wrong intro. That's why you saw that other one, everybody that's in the chat. So we just have to go with it. I'll just edit it out. I'll just edit it out. I hope everyone's having an amazing, wonderful day because I know I am, because one of my favorite people that I ever got to speak with is here. And I'm I'm so glad she freed up her schedule. She freed up her schedule just for me. So I feel extra special. I feel extra special. And when I sent out the feelers to all my YouTube members, I was like, who do you want to see? And Carrie was number two out of. A lot of people. Gina Carano being number one. But she was number two. So I'll say she's number one. It was it's it's awesome. So would you welcome her, please? Carrie Smith from Unsafe Space with an amazing Hi, hat hey. on.
0: Hey, good evening. Who's this Gina Carano
1: character? No one special. She's okay. <laughs> getting brought up on all my stuff. I don't understand uh, why that is, but you know, it's I'm so glad that you're here. If you don't know, everyone carries in the middle of like twenty houses. She's putting stuff over here. Oh. She's putting stuff in the shed. She's putting stuff in a car. And so, yeah.
0: Look, this room. <laughs> I told Jay before we started. Everyone, this room is very echoey now because today I finally got all the books. I don't know if you can see all the books off of my bookshelf are gone, and the chair, all the furniture in this room's gone. And so, I'm in the middle of moving uh this is a nice break i was looking forward to this all day moving heavy boxes like oh i can't wait to later i'm gonna get to talk to jane not be doing what i'm doing now
1: (laughs) i mean that's just that that, that's awesome to hear see see how she makes everyone everyone around her feel so much so much welcome and warm and happy (laughs) and that's 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 carrie carrie smith uh if you don't know who Carrie is. I will let her give her I, I, whatever kind of brief introduction. Who are you, Carrie? Yeah. Why are you here? Who are you? Who are you? Well,
0: I'm here because we, you and I got to speak. I got to interview yeah. you for our show. I do a show called Unsafe Space with my friend Carter Laren, and it's a culture podcast, although we sometimes get into politics occasionally when it's necessary. <laughs> But we're mostly a culture show and then we do interviews. And so I, I used to be, I mean, people know my story if they watch that show, but I was in social justice ideology for about two decades and I was a true believer. And I thought it was, I look at it now as like, that used to be my old religion. So sometimes the interviews I like to do are with people like yourself who have something to say, maybe about social justice or woke ideology invading pop culture. And I like to come at it from a lot of different angles and talk to different people. So your interview was one of my favorites because like you you were giving me compliments, I'll give you some. You're very authentic and warm. You have a great laugh. And I like that you were willing to talk about personal things too. I think people liked hearing you talk about your faith, which, you know, can be kind of for some people, it's like I don't want to hear about
1: personal Christianity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you hear that, everyone. You hear all the compliments. So, there. <laughs> what? Uh, so, you said you were two decades. Yeah. Carrie Smith, the SJW for two decades. What What was the appeal? Yeah. Like, what? Well, uh, looking did you just, back like, on it. Did you just. No. Did you put on. Did you have purple hair? Did I you
0: did not I'm have just, purple hair, but I cut it very short and. I wore a lot of overalls and Doc Martens, and uh, (laughs) I did go to a lot of protests, (laughs) and I lived in the Women's Studies dorm at Duke University. That was where I got kind of pulled into this belief system. No, you know, what it was is looking back, it it definitely filled, for me, I think it filled that hole that people have in them sometimes for a a belief system, or I sometimes call it the God-shaped hole you know, it was a, it gives you some kind of way of looking at the world and it tells you, for example, in social justice, religion or ideology, it it tells you the story about the world is that the world is this struggle for power between, between identity groups and that some identity groups have always maintained power and they still maintain power and they keep other identity groups down. And so we have to, Judge people based on what identity groups they're in and treat them differently based on what identity group they're in so that we can equal the power between these groups. And so it tells you it's a righteous story that this is about ending racism and sexism and oppression. But in actuality, it slowly turns you into, I think, a foot soldier for all those things that you think you're fighting. So over time, you start accepting all these new definitions. I started accepting these new definitions and preaching them. I would go out and talk about how racism is prejudice plus power, and it's impossible to be racist towards white people, and, and you know it's impossible to be sexist mm. towards men, and um, they get you to start, in my opinion, uh, behaving in racist and sexist ways, but uh, thinking that it's for a good cause, that it's going to help end racism and sexism. Anyway, it's a long. It can be kind of boring, and I know people have heard me talk about it before. But that I was in that for two Actually, decades. I've
1: never heard you really talk about okay. it before. So <laughs>
0: then we can do that.
1: That, that yep. is. Uh, did it make you feel like you had value? Like you were yeah. accomplishing good in the world? It was like yes. was that like a draw? For
0: yeah, it gives you a sense of self worth. And you feel like you're one of the good guys. I'm sure your audience has seen some of these SJWs say things like how they're on the right side of history. They really believe some of them are true believers and they really believe in this ideology. They think that it's a good thing that they're doing good in the world. However, I think a lot of them like myself are quietly and sometimes not so quietly desperate because it's a it's an ultimately empty belief system unlike christianity for example it there's no so it has it has a concept of original sin like christianity does but in social justice religion your original sin is is called privilege and not everybody's born with the same degree of sin some people have more sin than others based on what race or sex Mm. they are and so you are constantly confessing your privilege. You, they say, check your privilege. You're supposed to talk about your white privilege or your male privilege or your straight privilege. Or, and But you can never divest yourself of it. It's a works-based faith. Your, your salvation supposedly comes through your works, except it never comes. That's they, they always say, do the work, do the work. You know, that's a... that's wow, a,
1: so It's just a constant circle of protests. Yeah. Uh, coming together, I, but I can see, I can see the appeal because when I was in Fort Lauderdale, my first job while I was actually still in college was I worked for a Department of Juvenile Justice, and I worked with a a counselor at the juvenile prison for psychology and and these different types of studies when I was in Broward County down there. Oh, interesting. And I did it for 4 years. There was a program down there called the Matthew Project where they tried to figure out basically what it was. It was a 4-year program that the government was funding to figure out why young people were getting arrested in this area or why like what what was it? You know, was it was it where they lived? Was it parent influence? Was it uh peer pressure? Was it the school? And so we just Every time a juvenile was arrested, we just talked to them and things like that. And when when the the subject of gang members, like, becoming part of a gang came up, it was just, um, well, I don't really have a family, so that's my family. Mm -hmm. So it's like, even though you're committing crime, even though you're hurting others, even though you're doing things which which you know is wrong, yeah, but that's still my family, you know? And so I... Right. So there's like this um, sense of wanting to belong Mm -hmm. in something, whether it be productive, positive or negative. It's just the sense of I want to be a part of something. And so I I can understand like where I guess ideologies, things that we can look at now and go, man, that's. uh," Yeah. where, where there's an appeal there for certain people that feel like I, I don't belong anywhere, but I'm being accepted here. And it's, it's not very, it's not very hard to become a member. Just basically follow what everybody's doing. Yeah. Right. Is that, is that, am I hitting that right? Or.
0: I think you are hitting it right. I think it, it fills that need that we have, like you said, for family, for acceptance, for belonging, to be part of a tribe. And I would urge people who are in social justice Here's a good question. Cause sometimes I have people, I'm a, I'm a pretty new Christian. Um, I didn't, it's not like I immediately, it's like I'm done being social justice and now I'll move on to Christianity. <laughs> there was like a long transition there. I never thought I would become Christian. Christian, um, but I've heard some people and sometimes when I do interviews in the chat, they're like, Oh, you're just in another cult now. And yeah. The differences, I I would say there's there's several differences, but one of those is if you're in social justice now, think about how the people who are in your belief system would treat you if you were to leave it. Mm. Because that says a lot. How do they treat you if you leave it? I'll tell you, my church, if you were to leave it, no one's going to treat you poorly or talk shit about you or Mm. try to cancel you or call you an apostate. And in fact, you know, we've had um, my preacher has tried to find other churches for people. Like there's one member, for example, whose husband is not a Christian. And so our preachers tried to find a church that's maybe more woke or something. You know what I mean? Like he's going out of his way. A cult would not be like, here, let me find another place for you to go (laughs) that works for you. Or if you leave us, we're going to cut you off and not show you love. And uh, so that's one big difference. When I left social justice, it was it was like leaving a cult. You're now an unperson. You're a heretic. Wow. You're an apostate. I had a I had a social justice. One of my best friends at the time did sort of a try to do an intervention on me, and told me, you know, you're leaving the tribe, and if you you're not just leaving the tribe, you're talking about it. You're criticizing the tribe, and you're never going to be allowed back in if you do this. And I was like, well, okay, I don't want to come back in. I think it's a bad (laughs) tribe. Like, So I'd rather be a nomad, right? Like I understand what I'm doing and I'm leaving. And that caused several of my so-called friends in the entertainment industry. I used to work in the entertainment industry. So several of my friends in the entertainment industry, several of my friends who were in the media um, publicly unfriended me. Uh, one of them, she said, I was her former feminist friend who had sadly become a red-pilled alt-right troll. Um, you know, thing. there were there was a a whole casting out of, you know, Red you're not one of the troll. bad people. Yeah.
1: How can alt-right. anyone with a hat like that be called a red-pilled troll? <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. I'm they just probably... saying. If we, if we ever meet, you got to bring me that hat so I could at least get a picture in it, like if that. <laughs>
0: Oh, you're a hat guy. That's right. I do.
1: Like, my floor, I have almost 15 hats right next to me, my fedoras, everything. Um, So, yeah, but I don't have, you know, the toilet bowl rim, you know, hat thing. Like, that's all. I don't know what you call it, but
0: you got to get a big (laughs) wide brim. You come to Texas or you get one of those tall hats with the short brim, the uh, open roads. Those are
1: nice on men. I love yeah. it. I, I have a, like, this is so funny. I, I have a, a story to share. Cause like everything you're saying, just real quick, a couple super chats. Thank you yeah. for the support. John says, Jay, have something important to say. Hi. Well, hi back. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. Chris says that hat is awesome. I've only seen one of Carrie Smith videos. Well done. Well, that's awesome. Thanks for, thanks for saying something nice. Chris, again with another five. Thank you so much. Sorry. I'm not a full fanboy, but I see the keys. Is there a moment where Jay actually plays? There has to be a video somewhere. Um, yeah, I used to teach. Um, I do play the piano all the time. I, used, I play at a nursing home um, one Sunday a month for oh wow for people that want to hear the old the old hymns.
0: I love so, that. My, you have to come to Texas and meet my husband. You guys have a lot in common. He also plays sometimes at the nursing homes. He plays the old songs, like the old standards.
1: Uh, yeah, it's like Amazing Grace. How yeah. great thou art. And they just love to sing, you know. The the, the uh, fun thing about going to nursing homes is is uh, they, they always forget who you are. So it's so cool to meet mm-hmm. everybody for the first time all over again. And again. then sometimes they think like you're their long lost grandson. So I'm just sitting, I'm just waiting for them to like give me all their inheritance. Um, you know, so I'm I'm just kidding, but (laughs) it's, it's, uh, yeah, that's something I've done for, for me and, uh, uh, I had a lot of, a lot of musician friends and for a few summers before, uh, that we were locked in, we, we would go to the, there's a, there's a mobile home park, not too far from here. And we would teach music lessons to the kids for free for a month and a half and and volunteer and we would get younger students that play the piano to uh that were that were in high school that needed community service hours and they would come help because in florida you need i don't know what it is 25 uh 48 48 community service hours to graduate so that that would be our way of so the
0: older students would help the younger
1: yeah, and then we would we would be there too, and I mean the first the first few days I had it was we had 45 piano students, and we basically went around to all these <laughs> like uh, yard sales, and just try, and and then we went on uh, back when Craigslist was a thing, like hey, does anybody have any old keyboards that work? We'll pick them up. So we had all these old Casio plastic <laughs> keyboards all set up. And right the first on. day it was like, all right, everybody hit C, and, and you're like, okay, this ain't gonna work. So then we had to go all out and get headphones. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, but it was oh man, it was so it was so How much fun. fun. Uh it was it was it was so much it's 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 like you the know, same thing, it's like you find something to belong to, and Just trying to teach the next generation that, you know, volunteering and giving back and something is not, it's not a bad thing and it shouldn't, it should be, it should be ingrained in your, in your system. Just like I said, like seeing people that are in social justice now, it's, it's kind of like, it's just, it's so ingrained in their system Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that it's hard for them, but sometimes it gets so ingrained that they can't see what's in front of them. Does that make sense? Like the bigger picture or, yes. or is that not how it works?
0: No, that's exactly how it works. It's actually, um, you know, I, I've read a lot about, I read a lot about cults and I watch a lot of cult documentaries mm. because I compare it to a cult in a lot of ways. There's the, the ways in the way I already described in which they cut you off if you leave. Um, and they also try and destroy your reputation if you leave. Uh, another way, another way that it's similar is they isolate you from friends and family who are not believers. So when you're in it, I'm sure everybody in the comment section knows someone who's woke, who's cut off contact with them as things have escalated culturally, as the ideologies become more mainstream. Um, but and it also operates a lot on shame and guilt, inspiring shame and guilt in the people who are in it. You're always working off this this shame or this uh, collective based shame. Um, Another thing it does is it can, they change language. Like it focuses on the language a lot. And so, you know, George Orwell wrote about this a lot. Of course, you could control people very easily if you can control the way they think and you control the way they think by controlling what words they use. And so they're constantly redefining terms that we, you know, coming up with new definitions for, commonly accepted terms. Uh, so for like racism, for example, or sexism, Um, and then they're coining new terms all the time. And most of the new terms that they're coming up with, if you think about what they're using those phrases for, like white fragility or toxic masculinity, how do they use those phrases? They're Mm -hmm. phrases that are used to control and manipulate people, um, regardless of what they say they mean, but yeah, it's
1: But in the 20 year span, did you see the phrases change as mm-hmm. the time? So it's kind of like, all right, so we're fighting this. And then it's like, well, you guys are still bad because we've discovered toxic masculinity. And up oh, yeah. now we discovered everyone's a transphobe. And now we discovered everyone's this and everyone. And now white males are bad. And well, let's just move on to the next one. And. And now it's like anti-vax and now it's just like a, Mm -hmm. it's a,
0: it's a balling.
1: Right. Okay. So you saw that you were just like, here's the next one. Here's the next one. But did you ever look back and say, we didn't even really help the last one we were.
0: (laughs) No, because it's sort of, you don't stop to celebrate your wins very long or what you consider to be your wins because there's always a bad guy. Think about it. You have to always be fighting something. See, the ideology is it's kind of it's it's very it turns people into these useful tools. And so if you went if you let's say, for example, when women got the right to vote. okay, so you've got this women's rights movement or the civil rights movement. You eliminate these legal barriers to equality. You've succeeded. Right. And then but what happens to all the people who make a living? pushing the ideology, all the people in these organizations, all the people look at, look at marriage equality. So gay people got the right, they won the right to get married. What happens to all those organizations and all that funding and all that? It doesn't go away. It just, they continually, then they up the ante. Okay, well now we've got to get this. And now we've got to get this next thing. And then you move beyond um, focusing on the law and trying to remove actual legal barriers to equality. And then you move into culture. And then you say, okay, well, now in the feminist part of social justice, there's all these different parts of it. It's all under one umbrella, though. It sucks up these different organizations. Social justice has sucked up what used to be what remains of what used to be the civil rights movement. It's sucked up the feminist movement. And and so you've got different doors. I think of it as different doors into this one big tent. I went in through the feminist Mm. door. But those organizations, they continue to work. And so they they move their goals they continue moving down the line so is it
1: trendy do they follow trends
0: it's trendy but it's just um i think of ideology sometimes one like this i think of it like something living it's mutating
1: oh that's great point i didn't think about that
0: yeah because think about it like people say like it has roots in marxism but if you say that to somebody who today is an actual marxist in in the the old sense of the word like they care about class differences, class inequality. If you say this is the kind of Marxism, they'll get pissed. They're like, this isn't Marxism. You know, Marxism is about class and oppression based on class differences. And you're like, no, no, Marx is dead. People took his ideas. They've added to them. They've evolved. Everyone builds on top of it. And now you've got this mutated kind of Marxism that's not about class. It's about identity. It's still, it's about identity and power. Like, But it's still about how we need to redistribute instead of money, we need to redistribute power among identity groups. It borrowed all this stuff from Marx and then it built on top of it. And it just keeps growing. When I was in school, so you're talking about new phrases. White privilege was coined in the 80s by uh, Peggy McIntosh. Okay, once that became accepted and part of the ideology and they're teaching it in schools, I learned about it, you know, in college, then... After I had graduated, years later, Robin DeAngelo coins. She builds on that. She coins "white fragility" as a term. Okay, now there's this whole new thing. White fragility is a thing, right? People continually build. They 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 uh, think about it like okay, like a uh, Star Wars. <laughs> You've got your cannon and they just keep adding to the they keep adding to the narrative they keep adding new terms instead while of while they're terms.
1: adding to the narrative they're kind of destroying some of the things that we yes <laughs> that we loved back back then you know uh since i don't know if you know this but in the in the bible we might have talked about this when we were when i was on unsafe space jesus talked about this and actually in in matthew where he looked at the religious leaders at the, I have it here, Matthew 23, 4. It was like, you bind up heavy burdens and you make them, uh, wait, let me read the uh, contemporary English version. You, all right. They pile heavy burdens on people's shoulders and never lift a finger to help. Yes. And he was, and he was talking uh, to like the religious leaders at the time, basically saying, we'll keep piling on these heavy burdens so we can control you. You know, it's just, yeah, Jesus coming around saying, this is what you guys are doing. Like we, I could see what you're doing. Yeah. You're putting burdens on these people and you're not, you know, you're not doing anything to help them. You just keep putting more burdens on these people. And like, they're just walking around with these heavy loads. And And if you, you know, you look at all, it's like guilt and shame and. Uh, grief and suffering and you know and all these things that's like god doesn't love you and and no one can love you and and you'll never be forgiven because of who you are and everything so keep working keep working yeah and and like even jesus himself hit that head on it was just like why are you doing that to these people i could see right through you yes. and it it just reminds me a lot of what you just said it's like we keep building and you got to keep carrying
0: <laughs> keep carrying and there's no so one thing it doesn't have it borrows a lot from other religions, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have a concept of grace. There's no forgiveness. There's no debt wow. relief of sin. There's no way you're always doing the work. You've got to do the work and you're always confessing in that privilege. And it's just, and it's a collective, it's not an individual. Like in Christianity, you're responsible for your behavior and your sin and your, you know, you have a personal relationship with God in this religion. You're responsible for the sins of everyone who shares your sex or your race or it's, it's a collectivist belief system. And that's how you think religion
1: is. If you were to like define it,
0: what do I think it is?
1: Yeah. Like what, like a lot of people have a lot when you, when you use the term religion, mm-hmm. a lot of people define that as so many, yeah. Then, then the uncommon, then the regular definition of what you know, uh, you know, believing in a deity and things like that. But um, I we think it is. people label like what you said as social justice is religion. Hey, man, like there's even it doesn't matter what side of the fence or whatever group you're a part of, it could turn into. A, for me, it's, it's kind of like, uh, it's like worship mm-hmm. when you're so far into something that, that begins, you begin to worship that, um, mm-hmm. that, that you're a part of, it, it becomes, you know, a, a, a worship and people see that in being in gangs, uh, different things like that. It, it, it's just a, it's just a part of, of worshiping whatever you're a part of. And when you worship something, worship is also a a term of people basically kneeling down. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like you can even take some of the old pictures of people kneeling down with their hands up mm-hmm. and and just worshiping, basically surrendering myself to that. That's yes. what that's what I the you know, I don't know if you have something a little different, but that that's what yeah. I see. And it's uh. Like you said, I think it's when people
0: of... people take um I think religion is is basically when people build up a system of liturgy and ritual and practice around a belief system mm-hmm. around around a belief in a shared belief in usually a deity but not always because I view, I view social justice as a religion it it functions as a religion for people who are in it. It gives people a sense of purpose, even though I would say ultimately it's empty and meaningless. That's why a lot of people who are in it and (laughs) I think they feel that burden you're talking about. It's Mm. a constant burden. It's a constant stress. It's a constant anxiety and uneasiness in their own skin. Um, But on the surface, they're like, yes, this is good. This is a way to live. It tells me a moral code. I should behave in this way. I should view the world this way. It also has, it comes with ritual and liturgy and what you're talking about. We we finally saw a bunch of that in the past year and a half. People publicly in groups kneeling those videos. Yeah. I don't know if people saw them of all the white people, like repeat after me. And they're like all repeating the same words and with their hands up think yeah, that's even the first argue. thing I saw. Was yeah. like,
1: wow! Even our politicians, yeah, kneeled down. You know, yeah. and it's like, wow! Never did I ever think I would, you know, see that. Uh, and it's just, it was. I had no words. Just like, man, look at that. Yeah. Um, just to the make whole a say their name. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Here we are. So how can I read you something real quick? please? Thank you for
0: reading me that verse in Matthew. I don't know if I knew that. I can't, I don't think I'd heard that verse before, but you reminded me of this one in Timothy. Get this. This is, you've probably heard this. This is second Timothy three. And it says this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous boasters, proud blasphemers disobedient to parents unthankful unholy without natural affection truce breakers false accusers incontinent fierce despisers of those that are good traitors heady high-minded lovers of pleasures more than lovers of god having a form of god god having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away now this is the part listen to this For this is the sort that creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lusts, ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That to me is a lot of social justice is women. Silly women, always learning, always doing the work, always reading the book list, you know, but never arriving at truth. Now, that's probably a controversial thing for you to say, but it's primarily women. There's men in the belief system too, but the women drive it. Silly women. I've
1: never <laughs> heard anyone say that. That women uh, drive it? <laughs> yeah. I, do. I mean, when I think about like, yeah. you know, there's, there's Twitter account, libs of TikTok and like, we see these things and, and yeah, there, there's a point where we see these people say the most, Absurd things (laughs) on online, and you just sometimes it just makes me wonder like, do they really believe that? Or, Or are they just trying, you know, how many of it is just I'm just trying to get attention? Um, just trying to get attention, and see, that's that's the other I believe that that is uh makes it makes it uh makes me nervous about a society we live in where everyone is fighting for more attention and mm-hmm. we'll go out and say, people will say the most or do the most crazy things because they see that they're getting attention. They're getting likes, they're getting view, they're getting whatever it is. Mm-hmm. They're getting uh, all this. They're getting attention. I remember in psychology class. Um, and I don't know how true this is, but we, we did this whole thing about if, if people, certain people can't get positive reinforcement attention, they'll naturally seek out negative attention because yes. it's still attention. Yes. And then they begin to learn and train that uh, I can get attention by doing something wrong or doing something ridiculous or doing something whatever, mm-hmm. um, but I'm still getting attention. And it's just a constant monster within people that uh, they can never, you know, they'll sit at the buffet of getting attention and never be full.
0: Oh, what a great phrase! Sit at the buffet <laughs> of getting well, attention. It's pission. true Never because
1: full. then they'll they keep pushing it and pushing it, and then they then you they say the most. Listen, I I did a te- I did a on my Twitter account. It was like watch me say something really, and I was t- I would tell people I was like, well, I'm gonna post something. I was like, watch it, like upset people. I posted this thing. It was so stupid. It was it was Baby Yoda. Looking at Ray Skywalker going, but then seeing Gina Carano and like saying like I love Gina and I don't like Ray. All I posted that tweet went on my before my regular Twitter. You know I got nuked. It went viral and it upset <laughs> so many people. Like I, I was re- I did a whole video on it because I was like I can't believe, like, and and it's and so. People see that and they're just like, well, if he got all that attention for that, I didn't even say anything. I just posted the picture and they just went, it went Nuts. nuclear. I couldn't believe it. I woke up the next day and it was like at 20,000 likes. And I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> and people could you were do so do the mad. same thing?
0: What is this candy corn thing you pulled me into? Maybe you could have Baby Yoda like <laughs> turning away at Circus Peanuts. But saying come here to Candy
1: Corn. That's another, that's another divisive, you know. that 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 that's another divisive things. Real quick, Ian for twenty dollars says, Hey Carrie, I love unsafe space and really enjoyed your interview with Jay. On an unrelated note, Jay, I love the channel and really enjoy this interview with Carrie. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks,
1: Ian. Uh thank you. Thank you so much. I really, I really appreciate it. So what was the uh what was the uh what was the moment? Mm-hmm. When you were like You know, I don't know if this is a good thing anymore. <laughs> like
0: I don't know if this is for me.
1: Yeah, like, this just like, in a riot with years, a brick,
0: like, like Yeah. No. Uh I'm kidding. I never had a brick in a riot. But uh I it started the con- the condensed version of that is 2016 the election. I started waking up that year. There were things that I couldn't I think that was an acceleration point for the ideology because Trump was one was running and things accelerated much like they did after George Floyd. That was another acceleration point to get it to the mainstream. But during that election cycle, I accidentally I went down a rabbit hole on YouTube of videos of people on the left who were presumably on my side, quote unquote side. Attacking Trump supporters and bloodying them, um, throwing wow. eggs at them, waiting for them outside of Trump rallies to assault them. I had never I didn't know that was happening. I I was so far in the echo chamber. I actually believed the opposite was true. I thought Trump supporters were violent and they were causing all kinds of violence at Clinton rallies. And I don't know why I thought that other than the media and my echo chamber were selling me that narrative. And so once I saw these videos, one video led to another, led to another. I was sobbing. I just didn't, I didn't know that was going on. And I felt like this is not my side. This is not the side I want to be on. And I started looking for videos of the opposite. And I only found like one, like some guy punching someone at a rally, Mm -hmm. but there was nothing like that. Like a mob going after a mob of Trump people going after Clinton supporters. I didn't find that. And so I didn't leave my belief system the next day or anything but I started that was a crack in my foundational beliefs because then I started realizing what else am I wrong about like what do I need to pay attention to and ar- around that same time there was the uh sniper in Texas who killed the cops at the Black Lives Matter rally
1: yeah
0: and the response in my echo chamber, because I had whittled my online world down to just social justice people like you do in a cult, just the people that agree with me. And they were all like tacitly like supporting it. They were sort of some old white people are going to have to die. Like they were wow. kind of applauding it. Um, and that just shook me because I'm like, okay, this isn't, yeah. I thought we were about ending racism and sexism and empathy. And then, and then when Trump won, I was devastated. I was still bought into the narrative. You don't leave that kind of sure. belief system quickly
1: on a light switch, effect. right? It's yeah. slow. It's
0: slow, just like getting into it. And so when he won, then I just saw the absolute craziness unfold on my side. And there were, there were articles that people were writing, people I knew were writing articles saying you shouldn't have empathy for Trump voters and they're all Nazis and they're, it's like that. You Wait a minute. We're simultaneously calling. What was it? 63 million people. How many people voted for him? We're calling that many million people Nazis. And then we're also saying it's okay to use physical violence against people we've called Nazis. So that's like half of a minute. We're just going to start attacking people now. And I saw this push to condone violence, all this stuff. It started to wake me up slowly. And I got to a point where I, I I stumbled across Jordan Peterson uh, and I, somebody had told me, here's a transphobe, go watch his video. And I fully expected to see a transphobe when I clicked on his video, but I didn't. I saw a man who was talking about compelled speech and I started watching more of his videos, which helped me a lot. He had a video about it's called tragedy versus evil. And it's an old video of his where he's talking about Cain, the Cain and Abel story in the Bible. And he says, these are two different modes of being in the world. Like, even if you don't believe in God, you can look at that, that story as one of the oldest stories known to man, where we talk about, it's like an allegory for, you can be like Cain, you can be ungrateful and you can not make the appropriate sacrifices for what you want. And, and you can be resentful and envious of your brother and ultimately end up in a murderous rage or you can be like able and make the sacrifices for what you want in life and be grateful. And I looked at that and I was like, my whole belief system is like Cain. Social justice is all about resentment. What am I entitled to? What does the other guy have? I'm owed this. So many people I know in that belief system are there. It feeds that darkness, that resentfulness. And so Mm that was really an important <laughs> part of when I stumbled upon that, I started thinking about it all the time. I would, I would just be, even in my my daily life. See, see, it's not just changing ideology. You're changing your behaviors. My my whole way of living changed slowly because then I'm evaluating every choice I make. Is this like Cain or like Abel or like Abel? Yeah. Am I operating out of resentment or gratitude? Right.
1: Yeah. Like, uh, I don't think you that's, can be
0: I don't think you can stay in social justice if you start to be animated by gratitude. <laughs> so,
1: that's that's something. Uh Irving Thomas for 20 says that's a huge amen on your reading in Timothy. Um and hello everyone who just joined us here in the chat. I see so many of so many of my friends here. Um really see, you know, you wanna know what's the, the difference is I think between me and you. I was fighting religion hey. and I wasn't, I hate politics. Like I just, mm-hmm. for me personally, and this could upset people, but I just never, the way I look at things, Kings come and go presidents come and go. yeah, Everything swings left or right. And so that's how I saw. And I spent most of my life in America, but out America. So I saw governments, in other countries that were different and it's just kind of, you get this worldview. So here I am, you know, trying to like build homes for the poor and they would have me come back to America to speak in churches, uh, groups, political anywhere that would possibly write a check, the organization I was with. And it would, I, I built up such such nasty resentment, which was wrong on my my point, mm-hmm. on my part, where I'd be like, hey, these kids are starving. Can y'all help? Here you go, sir. Here's a hundred bucks. We 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 gotta spend fifty thousand dollars on lights. So we don't mm-hmm. have that much to give. You know, you'd hear that stuff and you'd be like, thank you. You know, and mm-hmm. I know saying that it'll 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 like uh, people be like, Yeah, I see, churches about them it's not. Uh, and not every church is, uh, like that at all. Um, I was just saying the ones that the way I started viewing things was, do you not understand that, that starvation is the biggest killer and has been for as long as I've been born? Um, people like, I think right now we're at 18,000 people, 18,000 people die every day of starvation or causes. Is that not a pandemic? Is that not something nobody looks into? Uh, Elon Musk, just the other day, because the UN, I believe, says, well, if Elon Musk would give some of his money, we could end world hunger. And he goes to them and says, I'll sell all my stock if you could end hunger in Africa. He goes, I'm ready. You gonna do it? And they wouldn't respond.
0: Yeah, he was like, I want to see the
1: math. (laughs) And it's just, yeah, and, and it's like, He could end world hunger. Do something, you know. And they're just like, no, we're not. It's like, you know, why they they pawn people uh, with suffering. The reason why Haiti stays poor, and I'm not Haitian. I don't live there. I can only talk about what I saw. The government never really helped the people because, as long as the people were poor, they saw people constantly give. So it was this weird. Byproduct of we can just keep two billion dollars comes into Haiti from yeah. people giving every year, uh, and it might even be a lot more, but like from when I was there, and you're just like that country, <laughs> it could be rebuilt from the ground up. Um, but then again, I go back, you know, and like I was in Cambodia, anyway, all these places I go, I, I, I met a guy, and um. I share this story sometimes with, with people, but he's a tattoo artist. I love tattoos. I'm covered in them. Um, you know, tattoos are bad for certain churches anyway, but like uh, I, I met this it. guy and he was, he went through a horrible breakup and he was like, I got no purpose in life. I don't care about, I don't this. And then this was, this was years ago. It was like 2012, 2011. And I said, I told him, I said, Hey man, come with me, come with me over to, uh, Come with me over to um, uh, Dominican Republic. Like we're gonna be doing some work there. Just, just come. Like get your mind off of it. And he was like, I don't want to go do that. What am I gonna do there? I don't, I don't do anything. I just tattoo like naked women on people. Like that's all I do. <laughs> I was like, just, just come, just come. So he came and he, we, it was just a work project. We were just carrying, basically carrying concrete from one place to another. And you know, while I was there, uh. Me and a few others had to go, and uh, we had to go to this place called Boca Chica. And at the time, Boca Chica in Dominican Republic was hub to the trafficking ring. It was like from the earthquake that happened in Haiti, a lot of the children were brought over there, and you could look it up. It's all and and it was they were. It's terrible. It's disgusting. There it was. It's where it I was. think
0: I read. Does this involved the UN and children?
1: Uh. Not no, this was worse. Okay. This was, okay. uh, this was like this was like children that, that parents died in the earthquake in Haiti, and people pulled up in trucks and just snatched them and then sold them. So disgusting, horrible. And so, there was a there's, a, there's some homes there in the DR, some organizations that were there that, uh, where you could they were trying to rescue these children out of that, out of trafficking. So we were bringing supplies to one of the homes and this guy saw uh, a child, a boy, a child. um, And he was trying to, you remember that scene in like, uh, what was that movie gladiator when he was sold and he was like, he was cutting off his, did you ever see that movie gladiator? Yes. There's a scene where he's sitting down he's got a rock and he's like trying to cut out his tattoo from Spain. And, um, so there was a child there trying to scratch off the number that was tattooed on his arm, wow. because they get treated in the in that trade. They got they get tattooed, you know, their property now. It's disgusting. And so he's trying to. He's sitting in the corner, like scratch, trying to scratch this off. Friend was like, "Uh, I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what my purpose yeah. is." Goes back, comes back a few months later with his tattoo equipment. And begins to tattoo beautiful wow. pictures over these disgusting numbers that were wow. on his
0: kids.
1: And he just was like, and he fell in love, fell in love with God, fell in love with this whole thing, fell in love with uh like a new purpose. And he didn't like live there. He just came back, did his mm-hmm. thing, and came. And and to me, it's like. This is what I felt like uh, at the time. I was like, "This is what the church should be doing." He got, he went back to the states, and he got criticized by a church. Not all of them for like tattoo work. Like that's wrong. Shouldn't do that. There's a better way. There's this and that. Yeah. And so when I talked to him, you know, I I did. I wasn't like his best friend, you know. But every now, like Facebook or whatever. How you doing? He's like, oh, I'm not doing this anymore. And and people came down. I was like, man, you're you found the of all places to find, you found the wrong place. And it just angered me about this whole religion thing. And it's just like, give me the number of that pastor because I'm gonna call. And it's and (laughs) and I was angry. I was like, this guy like had a moment. And yeah, and so I finally got him back. I was like, come back again. He came back again, brought his stuff, started doing that again, and it's beautiful. It, it, it was beautiful. Came back and then found the right place to find, you know, to call himself home.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and that's the kind of stuff that I felt like, <laughs> that was like my fight, right? <laughs> so <laughs> going you were against fighting, this...
0: you were fighting like... Well, yeah, I like was like, this guy church, found a...
1: Or... Well, I'm saying like this guy found a purpose. He found his heart. He found what he wanted to do. He found, and it's beautiful to see kids like I got a beauty mark instead of a horror mark, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, to have someone criticize him in the name of the Lord was terrible for me. It was just like, like, how dare you, you know, how dare you? And to fight that kind of thing, Anyway, sorry, I took up a lot of your time. Here I am. And you're the one that's that's supposed to be talking. Very interesting. And so (laughs) I, I came to this point of where instead of fighting the church or fighting whoever, I began to understand that even if they are a pastor or even if they are Carrie Smith or even if they are someone SJW, or even if they are me, we are still walking this journey and learning and trying to understand where we're supposed to go. You you know know what I'm saying? So just because a certain person doesn't think the same way I do, I have to sometimes understand that maybe my journey's right here and they're back here. But hopefully along this way, if they really want to seek truth, their eyes will be open to certain things, and maybe they could teach me something that I didn't see. Does that make sense? That's a lot. I just vomited like a whole bunch no, of stuff out makes, there.
0: I love that. I, first but it's all, it's like uh, your friend. Your friend's story is so beautiful,
1: and I he think hates that's... when I tell it because he doesn't want any attention. So I hope he never listened. He's just...
0: <laughs> well, you didn't name him, so
1: yeah, yeah, uh, yeah.
0: But it's beautiful. And I think that's what, as I've been learning, di- di- reading different parts of the Bible, the part where it talks about the church and it's like body, the body of Christ and each person is a different part. And not everyone has the same talent or the same use for God and God. We use people in different ways. And he, that's, a, that's an amazing story because it's someone who's like thinking he doesn't have a role there or a purpose there. And then he's, perfectly suited
1: i i think that for for you as well carrie i think the experiences Mm -hmm. and the heartaches and the hurt and the understanding and i think it was it's become who you are Mm -hmm. which makes you even more beautiful than what you think you look i i don't Mm -hmm. know if that makes sense it's because To see your, to hear, and this is why I wanted you to share. Is because to hear your journey of life, and 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 you're not done yet. I mean, you you came on and saying, "Well, I'm a Christian now. I don't even know, but I'm trying." You know, (laughs) I'm like on this journey, and it's it's if people of this world would ever would, would sit back and watch people's journey and understand that if we stop fighting with each other and understand that Carrie's right here in her journey, Jay's over here, this person's over here, you know, and yeah, you know, we can talk, but that's that, and that's the key to it all. It's like coming together to have a conversation and not saying you left social justice. How dare you forget you? You're I'm done with, you, you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. well, okay, um, but and I we will don't say do that this. anymore
0: i did, I think that this is something I wrestle with a lot because I do want to, um you know, I left a belief system where you're not supposed to talk to people who disagree with you. they the, everything in social justice is sort of they they even say, you know discourse is impossible with people who have a different level of privilege or power than you. And that's why you shouldn't engage in for I just went, uh, for example, I just got back from the better discourse conference uh, that Myth and Four Milwaukee puts on a few times a year. And the one they just did was in Texas and they have such a hard time getting leftists to come. Mm. They will get progress, Like what I call old school progressives. They'll get actual like progressive lefties. They won't get social justice people. They occasion there's two who come and they get so much shit from their own community. They get caught. Called- Why are you going to this white nationalist wow. convention? It's not a white nationalist convention. There's no white nationalists there. But, they, you know, they get smeared and they get called all the names by their own people, by their own cult for coming. And so most don't. It's really hard. Everything in their belief system says you can't talk to to all these people. Anybody who's outside of social justice, well, they're all boogeymen. They're all alt-right, white nationalists, whatever, that, you know, all the words. And you can't talk to them. And so now that I'm out of it, it's very important to me. To talk to people who disagree with me, especially if they're in social justice and they're willing to talk because that's so rare that I will talk to those people. I'm still friends with some of my old friends from my old life who are still in the cult, in my opinion. And they know I think they're in a cult, but I don't treat them poorly. I separate them from their ideology or I try to. It's like this. Your identity is not what you believe your identity is not your opinions. But see, when you're in social justice and maybe in other, other belief systems too, I don't, I'm not sure, but people start to, sometimes they can start to confuse who they are with what they believe. And so if you attack their beliefs, if you say, I think that belief is stupid and here's why, or I think it's evil and here's why, they think you're personally attacking them and they feel yeah. personally attacked, even though you're talking about what they believe. And, yeah. um, and so anyway, I try, I try and I want to talk to, I do this thing called civility dinners where we bring together people of all different political persuasions so and cool. we get together and we talk and we have dinner. It's like Republicans, Democrats, atheists, Christians, what have you. Um, All of that being said, here's the thing I struggle with Jay. There are some people who I don't, Uh, how can I put this? They're not like the people who come to my dinners. They're not like the people who would go to the better discourse conference. They have no interest in speaking with you other than Mm. to make an example of you to, to people who are already in their cult. Like they don't use words as tools for understanding. They use words as tools for manipulation and to, and control. They don't use words as like, hey, the purpose of a conversation is for you to for us to understand each other better and try and articulate things as clearly as we can. So the other person can understand us and maybe have our minds open to be changed or strengthen our opinion or get rid of some beliefs or adopt new beliefs. They don't view conversation that way. They view conversation as a a zero sum game of like trying to beat this person. And that's it. And words are just tools to beat you. And so those people. I don't usually engage with unless there's another, re- unless there's an audience that I think there's people in the audience who would benefit from hearing what I'm saying to them. If there's like people on the fence with social justice in the audience, then it's worth it for me to engage with one of those people sometimes. But most of the time, if it's just one-on-one those people just want to dominate you. I think they're animated by, I think they're possessed like they're animated and possessed by ideology.
1: And I, could never do what you do. See, what? that's the thing. I, I am, I'm just, I love hearing people's stories. And the thing that makes me happy is when I see people pursuing something that they love. And when they finally shake off the fear or whatever it is, and they're just like, this is what I feel like I want to do whether it's what you're doing what what I'm doing, what painting, whether it's writing, whether it's poetry, whether it's hiking I, whatever it is and it yeah. doesn't have to be some great you know where the whole world's looking at you I really feel and and, and until you know just recently I, well, maybe like the last you know this is this is all new to me it's like five well five years I just feel like. When people start stepping into a passion that they have and they enjoy what they're doing and they feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing, the world just becomes a better place yes. and everything that they're trying to find like where they're supposed to be in life spiritually and you know with their mentally in their brain like whatever it is it it yes. begins to just come together, yes. <laughs> because you start to see things and you're like, I'm doing, you know, it's, I hear it all the time. I hate my job. I hate this. I hate that. I hate that. I get it. We all have to work. We got to make money. We got to do what you got. You got to live, but you should still like turn the TV off for an hour and spend that hour pursuing something that you really love doing. Yes. Um, and don't let anyone laugh at you. You know, Chrissy Meyer right now, She's on me about going to Disney theme parks and stuff. So, you know, it's been a. She wants to go. No, she hates it. She hates. She thinks people that go to theme parks are weird. So she's calling me weird and everything. (laughs) On it's great. It's great. I love it. But uh, and and listen, we we're great. We're we're good. We're good. Like uh, people. Some people were thinking we're really fighting, and I'm like, what? Come on. Like it's. You don't know Chrissy. (laughs) Like number one, but um, it's like.
0: I love her. She's going to be in my film club, and she hates the first movie I picked.
1: So I know. <laughs> but it's just you know, and and it's and watch watch. One of these days she'll be at Disney with me, and it'll be yeah. hilarious because I'll <laughs> record it, and she'll be mad and whatever. But
0: there, those are
1: there's people that uh, you know I I if you spend turn you you can find the time to spend an hour. To get closer to what you what your dream is, to whatever it is. Um, and when I see people take those steps and get motivated to take those steps, it's like it to me it's beautiful because I I just feel like we were all born. I I I I firmly believe with everything in me, whether people are good or bad, whether they're SJW or not, like whatever. I think people are born with a gifting and a purpose. Yes, they don't always use it for the right reason. Yes, some people are great communicators, but they use that gift to manipulate. You know, um, some people are great at whatever, and they use that gift to to hurt others. Some people are whatever it is, and if they were to make that turnaround and go into the direction they're supposed to be, I think the world would be such a great. It's just the world would be better, in my opinion. I could be wrong. Um. $5 super chest that God can call anyone at any time, anywhere and breathe purpose and strength into them. Bless you for your work. Yeah. Bless Carrie for her work. She's been working I... a lot too, moving, moving <laughs> stuff. and
0: Well, you well, started a podcast.
1: Why Why did you start a podcast?
0: Oh, well, we started it because this, this goes directly to what you're talking about. So my old life, I objectively by the world standards, On paper was a better life, right? I was working in television. I managed comedians. I was a producer, an executive producer on a late-night comedy show. I was selling other shows. I was Chris Rock was my fellow producer on a show on FX. You know, I was making lots of money because I had lots of comedians, either one was a star of a show, I had others writing on shows. So I was doing well by society standards. And we were pushing social justice in these comedy shows too. And, and I believed this is good. I'm making the world a better place through woke comedy, right? <laughs> and <laughs> I really believed all that. However, I was not in a good place. This is what I mean about people who are in it. There's something off. And all the people I know in it, this is true. They're deeply unhappy people. There's something off because it's an empty ideology. I'm convinced of this. There's nothing at the end of the day, it gives you nothing. When you break, when you have a breakdown and you're looking for social justices, there's nothing there to pick you up. Mm. There's nothing there that, that it's, it's not like ugh, it's so different. It's so different than having faith in God anyway. So I was in that life when I started to leave it and my, my opinion started to change and I started to see it for what it was. And I was like, actually I think this is, evil like i think i'm doing the opposite of what i thought i was doing i think i'm selling racism and sexism in the name of ending those things i'm teaching people how to treat people differently on the basis of race and sex that's wrong that's never going to end racism and sexism all of this stuff started to sit heavily on me and uh in the midst of it i was in the middle of selling a new show i had a client who another woke comedian this show that we had written the the synopsis together and all the episode summaries together, like two years before, but the process of selling a show can take two years. So by the time we had a production company involved, and then we had a network that greenlit the pilot, it's been two years. And now I'm questioning my whole belief system. I'm like, I don't think I want to sell this show where we examine like a different ism with every episode, right? Like racism. And let's get to the bottom of this with comedy. But so anyway, I was starting to feel like I couldn't, I I, I knew some things to be true. I knew some, finally, I knew some things like, I knew that it, it was true that this belief system is not doing what it says it's doing. It's true that this belief system is hurting people. Mm. So how can I sell a show, a TV show that pushes it? And so I, I, we did shoot the pilot and I sort of thought, Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to make some kind of crazy choice here because if the show goes, if it goes, then I make money, but then I, I'm a fraud. I'm pushing this Mm. thing that I think is wrong into the world. And thankfully I think that that was taken off my plate because they didn't like the pilot and it didn't go to, it didn't go to series. So, so after that happened, I quit my, I folded my company. I quit doing that because all the comics I repped were woke. My whole, I had built my whole career on being the feminist comedy manager. It's like all of my connections were woke. Um, I couldn't keep doing that. And so here's the thing though, this fear, this is what you're talking about. Jay, people have a fear. What's going to happen. If I start speaking against this ideology, what's going to happen. I could lose friends. I'm going to lose my career, yeah. all this money, all these prestige working on TV and TV with Chris. Rock. Yeah. You know, who cares? if if you're if your life is empty at the end of the day because yeah. you're not living your true purpose and you're not living in truth, and you know this is this stuff is bad now. So I quit that. I quit all that. And my friend Carter, uh, we had just been acquaintances. I lost a ton of friends. The nature of my post changed online. I had the friend who tried to do the woke intervention with me. But then I had acquaintances like Carter who were like, hey, wait a minute. I'm interested in what you're talking about now. And so he had started on Safe Space and he he interviewed me for it and and it went well. And we kept talking offline. And he's like, why don't you just come co-host this with me? And we can we can have all these conversations together. And so that's how it started. And and really it was like, let's sit down and do this show and let's try and figure out. Cause I was trying to figure out how did I get wrapped up in this this evil belief system for two decades and how do I help other people get out of it and how do we explain what it is because it sells itself as the opposite of what it is. Mm. So it's like, let's just have people on and interview them and talk about it and figure it out together. You know, while I'm figuring it out, help people figure it out. And so on this side of it, I know I'm talking a lot, but here's the point of what you're no, saying. No,
1: no, it's that's awesome. Keep going.
0: You get through that fear, right? Of What's going to happen? How am I going to pay for anything? I'm going to lose all these things, right? Prestige, money, career, friends, blah blah blah, blah blah. I pushed through all that fear anyway because I became more afraid of I became more afraid of what would happen if I didn't. Wow. I became more afraid of what's the consequence of living of not speaking truth. I think this belief system is gonna is gonna could possibly destroy our country like Western civilization. It's mm. that evil. And at that time it wasn't even as mainstream as it is now, but we could see it coming. People who were like, it's like, this is going to be big. I don't know if I ever thought it would be as big as it is now where you've got McDonald's woke tweeting and Amazon and like every company is
1: social like, media woke. really launched. Yeah. It, uh, really launched that it. new stratosphere,
0: but I had to speak. And so on the other side of it on paper, my life probably looks a lot like not as cool. What do I do? I what do is cool
1: gig- anyway? just be honest,
0: right? What is cool? I think it's much cooler. I'm a Christian now, <laughs> which the old me would be like, "Wow, what a square!" Uh, I I I work gig jobs, like a dog sit. I do. I work at a farmers market sometimes. I'm not going to say what my current gig job. is. I work jobs. Let's just say I work the kind of jobs where if I if any. SJWs find out where I work and I get fired. That's okay. It's not a career, it's just a job, and I'll get another one. Yeah. And but I get to say whatever I actually think and not yeah. be afraid. And I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't go back. I don't care what the price tag is. I wouldn't go back to making all that money. Like this is it's just to be at peace in your skin. Do you know what I do you know what I'm talking about?
1: Like, Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, I love it. Absolutely. So. Real quick, um, some people have some amazing hmm. things to say about you. And I'm glad everyone in the chat is enjoying um, this conversation, enjoying Carrie, because I never thought in a million years I get to talk to her. And look, this is our second <laughs> conversation. It's just, it's beautiful. I Like, she's freaking awesome. Radio for $5 says it's great to see you two great voices talking together. First, I saw Carrie on Trigonometry, and she's been wonderful to follow. Is that Trigonometry? Did I say that right?
0: Yeah, that's a great podcast, and that's hosted by a couple comedians who are blessedly not woke. And they do a lot of great interviews. Constantine Um, Kisson, Francis Farmer.
1: Bionic belly buttons for $10 is what an amazing candid conversation. Thank you so much for this. Love you, Carrie. I can see why the SJWs are mad. You left. (laughs) You are a treasure. Thank you so much. Uh, I hope you guys follow her YouTube channel on safe space. The mods are putting it in the chat. It's also in the description. And, um, yeah, so she has awesome conversations with great people all the time over there. Sometimes you might even see me pop in. Sometimes
0: you might see, um, you have to come do a Friday live with us sometimes. I don't know what your schedule is, but we just hang out on Fridays.
1: Um, another $10 from Ian says, What you say isn't just an outlet for you, Carrie. It has kept many of us sane. So look at that. But you want to know, so thank you for guys so much for the support. Uh, I really appreciate it. And you know, but you know what else? Like you said that you would lose friends and things like that. You know what else causes you to lose friends? Uh, Being successful in something that you love will also. (laughs) Will also? Yeah, you will lose friends. Story about that. that. I mean, it's just when things. I know, at least in my life, when things got successful uh, over here, it's it's quite amazing how people will treat you and how past people will, like, their je- whatever you want to call it, jealousy or right? just, just like, and you're like, what? dang, you really felt that way about me? Well, because before you were successful, I could kind of control you, yes. you know, like you weren't the big deal. Now you're a big deal or whatever they want to call you. And now you're too good for us, right? You're too good for us. And it's like, man, you can't clap because I got a little success here. You know, like, what, what is all that yeah. about? And, and and they they will leave. Listen, we talked about Christianity. People saw Jesus raise people from the dead, and they turned around and walked. I don't know about you, but if, <laughs> if, I, if I'm hanging out with Carrie, and we're walking past a funeral home, and she said, hey, hold on a second. I got a business, and she just... Someone comes from the grave. I don't think I'm ever leaving. All right. Cause I'm like, what did I just see? This woman got the power to bring people back from the life. You know, like what? Like your
0: disciple then <laughs> And they let, they
1: listen, man. Some of his most faithful people just ran away, you know, after. And I, and I think about that too. It's just, uh, it's just, you know, and, and we remember how people just like to go back. And, and if we talk in biblical here, you know, um, when the Hebrews left Israel or left Egypt, excuse me, they they came to a point where they were like, you know, maybe we should go back. <laughs> maybe we should just go back to Egypt. Well, you cried for <laughs> generations to get out. You're know, like, yeah, well, I just want to go back now. You know, I just want to go back. And so it it they get people get a little taste of something different, and and they'll leave you as well. My good friend is here. My good friend uh, says brought for $10. Thank you. Abu Nas. says this is an enlightening stream. I've never heard of Carrie Smith until now. This queen is shining a light in the dark already subbed. Continue to educate and your new friends will follow much love. Thank you so much. Oh, you. What, probably one of my best. This, this is, and this is the thing. Abu Nas is here in the chat. If you're listening on Spotify or wherever, uh, he's one of my best friends ever. And, I'm a Christian. He's a Muslim. And we are like, we talk on the phone almost every day. You know what? We don't talk religion. We don't yeah. talk this. We talk about the football game. We talk about the yeah. food. We we talk about a cute girl that we saw. I mean, it's like, you know, he does, you know, when he, he went out and he walked for Black Lives Matter on a peaceful mm-hmm. protest. And I supported my friend. Did I get backlash from others? Yeah, but I didn't care. That's my friend. Yeah, that's my friend. I know he's peaceful. I know he's doing, and I love that man. And um, he's been there for me when I needed him. And you know, and it's it that just proves that if uh, if me and Abu Nas, my friend Abu Nas, can get along, and not just get along, but you know, we just love each other. I went to visit him for the first time, and he lives uh, in New York, and. I had the best time with him for a few days, and it's, it it was it was awesome. A uh, five dollars says, cheer up Carrie. Your struggle, hard decisions, and consequences is helping so many now. Being the light gets hot, but it shows the path. Know that we wow. love you. Look at all the love you're getting, and hey, Thank I'm on lady. this panel too, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, look at the love here. Hey. It's I love it.
0: You know what it is about you and your friend? I, thank you for sharing that. Cause I have a friend uh, who she's still social justice and she she's a, whenever she visits Austin, we have lunch. And here's the thing at the end of the day, she she believes in, she supports Black Lives Matter, which I think, I think the organization is using people like social justice, so that's my opinion. But I know why she yeah. supports it. She's my friend. She believes in the good intent that it sells. It, the, in my opinion, that it sells, because I don't think it, that, that that's really the. But so if we break down our beliefs, like what do we have in common, my, this friend and I at the bottom, we both obviously we, we both believe racism is wrong. We wish it were over. Yeah, it's just she believes this is the way she still believes that's the way to do it. And I don't believe that way anymore. I think that way is back assward. I think it's like you got to go, you got to do, you got to pursue individualism and treating people as individuals. I don't think you can fix collectivism with collectivism,
1: but I know her
0: intent is good.
1: Yeah. That's the thing. That's why I say like, can we just, can we just have conversations? I mean, that's just what we're missing. that so much. Um, And not go into it. Like you said, not going to go into a conversation with guns blazing go into a conversation in in love where it's like, Hey, help me understand where you're coming from, but listen to where I'm coming from, you know? And, and man, does the world need that? You know, that's why that term breaking bread. is such an important thing. There is nothing. There's a reason why back in the day, people broke bread together, that they had a meal and settled differences and learned about one another. And, i mean it's just you're sitting there have a little glass of wine maybe (laughs) you're eating a good meal it just sets the tone for not such such angry yelling you know it's just like i disagree with you i don't like what's going on here come to my house let me make you something to eat Mm -hmm. and let's just sit and figure this out like like what we're supposed to do you know and where is that gone? You know, it's like it's so. Yeah. Let me just say that Gina Carano. We, we talk Gina Carano. You'll hear a lot of Gina Carano around here, but when she was let go, before she was let go, there was a group at Lucasfilm that, but with forty people, that wanted to do a Zoom call with her, uh, so she could apologize to them because she hurt their feelings. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, she <laughs> went out of her way to say, "I will personally." Take each and every one of those people out to dinner. Like, let me take all of you out to dinner. Let me get a big meal and talk face to face. Right. That's what she wanted to do. She begged them. She's like, I'm sorry I hurt you. Look, Come to dinner and hear me out. Let me hear you out. I will pay for everything. I'll pay for it all. They said, no. No, we of want course. the Zoom call. Okay. Of course they did. I want the Zoom call.
0: Yeah, because and... they don't want to have to humanize her. Like wow, sitting that's down, a powerful
1: statement. I didn't even think about that.
0: Yeah, like it's easy. They wow. want to hate her, so that those kind of forced apologies that the woke do—that's about that su- uh, submissiveness thing you're talking about. About kneeling, it's a power thing. They want you to kneel and do the demanded apology, but it doesn't change anything. All it does is that now they own you more. Now that now the next apology, you'll be quite quicker to do it. You know, it's like. It's just a demonstration of their power of you submitting to their power. In my opinion, they, if they went to dinner with her, that's like treating her like a human, like an equal and like listening to her. And it's hard. It's what you said, breaking bread. You're sitting there in person. It's hard to dehumanize someone when they're right in front of you. It's hard to hate them and be like, submit to what I'm saying. You know, it's sort of, Mm -hmm. It's that easier
1: I, I, to. What, what just, did you call that again? Yeah. Humanize her. Yeah, they don't want to humanize her. <sighs> that's, that's
0: sitting down a and great, having I didn't dinner. Think about that. That's <laughs> yeah. such a
1: great point. Yeah. It's like keep her as an avatar. Keep it. You know, keep separate. her as a
0: yeah, far away. Wow. But you're right. The breaking of the bread and the in face to face stuff. It's that's what we do at the civility dinners. Is like it's it's face-to-face. We started, when we first started it, we were doing in people's homes. So that's even more intimate. That's even more Mm -hmm. human. You're in, this person has welcomed you into their home. And then we got big enough. We started doing restaurants, but we're still, you're still in person. You're still having a meal with people you disagree with. And people became friends in our group across political, the political aisle. It's like, I think, I think, though, it naturally selects for people. I mean, you know you're going to a dinner with people who are going to disagree with you. That's the purpose of the dinner. Mm-hmm. So it self-selects for people who want to do that anyway and talk to people across the aisle. You're not going to get an ideologue of any stripe showing up for that kind of dinner, you know? Like, you're not going to get a woke person there, and you're not going to get a white nationalist there. It's like, who would, why would they come? <laughs> like,
1: um, uh, I want to... The, the last thing while we're still live and yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, me and Carrie, we're gonna continue the conversation for my wonderful <laughs> patrons and members. <laughs> but I, I wanna I'm gonna read a couple of these uh super chats, but the question I'm gonna ask you is is uh when I'm done is about motivation. Like what is what is your what is your motive, what would you say to someone to keep them motivated about what you know you're doing and your personal, like, what is your personal habit of motivation? So just think about that as I, I'm going to read these real quick. Um, thank you for the $20. I really appreciate it. It helps the channel carry a few things in my life make me happier than to see someone free themselves from the mental concern, slavery on the left and the woke crowd. I have family in that trap and mm-hmm. just know they must be right. And you must be wrong. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you for the donation. Uh, Another $2 donation says, love you too, Jay. See, I was begging.
0: I was begging.
1: (laughs) I was begging. begging. Another five. Thank you, X-Wing. Jay needs attention. Beautiful stories from both peace and love. Yeah, yeah. I was begging a little bit. So they're throwing a $3 (laughs) super sticker. Culture (laughs) Casino for five. Yeah, (laughs) I believe in the power of food. I love eating out with people. Absolutely. Uh, That's how it is. So what Thank you guys so much for your generosity here today. It really helps um, support the channel. But what what would you leave someone? What is uh what's your what what? How do you stay motivated? It's uh, got to be difficult. Like you got to feel alone at times. No, and...
0: actually, because I've met so many people speaking truth, mm. like and saying what I believe and. I've met so many people, all those friends you lose. It's like, Oh my gosh. I tell, I talk to people all the time who's who, who write me private and I'm afraid of losing X, Y, Z. And if they say friends, I'm always like, you're going to, you don't know this yet, but once you get on the other side, you're going to look back and just be amazed that you were ever afraid of losing those people because hmm. it makes space in your life for new friendships that are built on something much more lasting than political allyship i would say sjw's don't have friends they have allies and as soon as you don't have their as soon as you're not in their ideology you're no longer an ally it's like goodbye but friend friendship is is like you and your friend is built on something really strong it's built on it's built on something much deeper than just we have the same policy position on you know minimum wage or (laughs) abortion or whatever you know uh so you so you'll make you'll make new friends no i don't feel alone what gives me strength well
1: what motivates you yeah what motivates
0: me well i finally figured out so once i went through that personal like crisis and and upheaval of of like it it wasn't just changing my ideology like it was identity based too because my identity was wrapped up in my old belief system so it was like who am i what do i want out of life all those all those big questions and now it's like i just you just start building from the ground up reevaluate mm-hmm. it's like tearing your house to the ground and starting all over with the foundation well here's my foundational belief i believe that there's a creator i don't believe that we're just physical bodies with computer brains i believe we have a soul and that belief led me to start going to a spiritual center which led me to a catholic church which led me to the church and like i went a cowboy church i went to a rodeo church for a while that was fun <laughs> but <laughs> but i believe in god and i believe that um i don't always know what's best for me and i believe in trying to discern what it is that god has what 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 is god's path for me versus my path because i have a bad track record <laughs> Let me just tell you, and so sometimes I think, I think we all do. yeah, you know, when people pray and they pray, we're like, I want this, I want this job, or I want this relationship, I want this person, I want this thing, and, and you're like, why aren't you listening? It's like, yeah, because God's like, uh, I know what Santa that would Claus be bad here. for you. Yeah, yeah, plus that. Plus, I'm trying to save you some heartache because yeah, you don't exactly. know what's good for you. <laughs>
1: like, exactly. so
0: I try to like listen now. And I just pray a lot that like God helps me figure out what his will is and helps me understand it. If it doesn't align with my will and helps me accept it. And Hebrews 12, my preacher directed me to Hebrews 12 earlier this year. And that's, if you're a Christian, that's a great chapter to read about perseverance and running a race. And um, my husband gives me a lot of inspiration I found someone who is awake um, who has shared foundational beliefs and I know what I want. I want, I want to make the most of the years that I have. I want to do things that scare me. If I feel like I'm called to do them until they don't scare me anymore. I I want to try and have a kid. I want to continue to speak what I believe to be true, even when it's scary and to see the best in people and to live like Jordan Peterson says it, it, in a place of gratitude for all that I have and not like be defined by anything that's happened to me, that any awful thing in your past, like that's in the past. That's not who you are. That's not your identity. That's not your identity.
1: That's awesome. You know? Anyway. That is, <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome.
0: That's a long rambling answer, but
1: no, it's not rambling. It's it's actually something <laughs> I wanted to hear. So it uh absolutely well, we're we're gonna continue the conversation, everyone. Thank you for being here. Thank you for the one last uh super chat here from Megan it says two of my favorite people. Thank you for the truth that you spread with oh, such man. love. That is that's so nice to hear. That's so nice to hear. And my friend R to the icky with a <laughs> I love that name. <laughs> such a such good people in here i like a spider-man thing. picture it's awesome right it's 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 awesome so carrie just hang out for just one second okay. and uh appreciate y'all being here and uh if you want more of the conversation check out the patreon or membership thank you
0: thanks for listening we hope you were inspired today to hear more of the conversation check out our patreon or become a member of the channel And don't forget to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate it. We'll catch you in the next episode. And welcome to the rebellion.